Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. We are down to the final eight. Here at the U.S. Open, it is an electric atmosphere unlike any other. Sapalenka advances to the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open. I think being number one in the world sits pretty nicely on Sapalenka. The young Chinese star, first Grand Slam quarterfinal, said after she loves the name Queen Ren. Madison Keys one and threes, the top American player. Third quarterfinal in New York for Maddie. It's a first U.S. Open quarterfinal for Marketa von Drusova. Bit of a statement performance, really, from Daniel Medvedev. He loves the crowd, and the crowd loves him in New York. It's a ninth Grand Slam quarterfinal for Andre Rublev. Alexander Zverev stands tall at the end. Incredible recovery from injury this season. Charlie, 15 and 1 now at the U.S. Open. He's a human highlight reel, and uh, we're going to see more of it as the tournament progresses. New York, U.S. Open. Don't go anywhere. TC Live at the U.S. Open on quarterfinal Wednesday. The city of New York is composed of five different boroughs, and it's fitting that tennis royalty come to Queens. This year, a new ruler is guaranteed on the women's side, while established kings battle for ultimate supremacy on the men's side. So who will take the throne in the castle that is Arthur Ashe Stadium? New world number one, Arena Sabalenka, first up against a player that likes to be called Queen Wen. And then it's a rivalry and friendship that goes back to when they were kids between Daniil Medvedev and Andre Rublev. In the night session, Madison Keys tries to make the semis here for the third time, facing Marketa Vondrosova, followed by returning champ Carlos Alcaraz and Alexander Zverev. Getting hyped as we look to wrap up the semifinals, there is Arena Sabalenka. Coming on site, how about 6-0 and in Grand Slam quarterfinals? 2-0 and in New York. Looks to continue that perfection today. But last night, we got to talk about this. How you like me now? Ben Shelton is him. Stepped up on the biggest stage and showed out in the biggest moments. The youngest American man in the U.S. Open semifinals since 1992. That's a decade before that young man was born. Welcome into our studio, Steve Weisman, Paul Anacone, Chanda Rubin, John Wertheim with you for the next two hours leading up to first ball at the U.S. Open. Uh, we stayed up. We watched. It went past midnight in the East Coast, Chanda. Ben Shelton got past Francis Tiafo, and, and it was electric. It really was. And, you know, I thought Ben Shelton did a terrific job getting off to a good start, embracing the moment. You know, he's the more inexperienced player, but used some of the experience he gained in Australia at the beginning of the year. And the start of that match was critical. The serving from Shelton, how he took his opportunities. It, 
set point down in that third set was where he really won the match, hit this incredible forehand. He embraced everything that this moment presented, and it's partly why he was able to get through. And there, there's your gesture, Steve. You love it. He's dialed in, but is he hanging up the phone? What's going on? He is dialed in. He talked about it after the match. It's, it's, it's an ode to one of his friends from Florida that's a world champion track star, and that's, that's what they do. They're dialed in. I know you love that celebration. My favorite. My oh. favorite. I, you know, one of the things that I love the most, actually, is the fact that we continue to talk about young Americans. And Ben Shelton showed us exactly how many terrific young Americans there are. Embraced the situation, brought the huge energy, really did a great job under pressure. You talked about the slap shot forehand down set, set point in the third set. After two double faults, mm. to just let go and let that thing fly, he really embodies understanding his game. He's going to make a few mistakes. Things are going to happen. He has fun. He brings a big energy. And, and it was interesting to watch the younger American really embrace the situation. And Francis, who usually is so bubbly and has a great yeah. personality and loves to be there, I felt like he was a, a, a little bit muffled and a little bit in the mode of, I'm supposed to win. He didn't quite get on track, didn't quite bring his A game. And a lot of that's because the big we weapons have been. I thought after the second set, Francis would start getting a little bit more like Francis, more demonstrative, more out there with his personality. But, boy, we're going to see these guys battle a lot, and I'm going to have a front-row seat. It was fun last night. We're going to see a lot more down the road. Box office bend. Uh, chaos and uh, disorganization are not usually flattering <laughs> terms, but I'm thinking Ben Shelton sort of uses this chaos agent tennis really to his advantage. You never know what you're getting. I mean, he's got the 149-mile-an-hour serve, but there were also first serves that were 111. He'll double fault, as you say, Chanda, down set point and on, on set point, and then he'll come back with this smoldering winner. And I think it's got to be really hard to prepare for his game? I mean, you can't say to your practice partner, hey, uh, go go hit a lefty 149 down the tee. Would you? I need to prepare for my match. There also is a hard to pr prepare for a guy like that who's so unpredictable and plays Novak next. I mean, I don't know what you do if you're Novak. You've never played this guy. You don't know what he's capable of. He uses the crowd. He's really infused this U.S. Open with a lot of fun. He said a couple of months ago, I want to be that dude in the draw that no one wants to see. And Guess what? he is becoming that dude. Yeah. We'll have full highlights of the match. We'll hear from Ben after the match as well. Uh, but, John, we've been talking about all week long over this tournament the situation with the WTA finals. And it was Saudi Arabia. Then it was the Czech Republic. Now what's the latest? Yeah, this this has really been a, a saga off court at this tournament. And these, this is a real intersection of politics and of optics and of transaction of money. I mean, there's, there's a lot going on here. That's, I mean, it's really fascinating to me. But now I'm told as of yesterday, the Cancun bid, which initially had been framed to me as, as a backup bid if everything falls through. We've always got Cancun. Well, I've heard Cancun is now very close to an official announcement here. Um, I've heard this is probably a one-year deal, and whether it's Saudi Arabia or Western Europe, that can get revisited. So sort of a stopgap. It's a fascinating conversation. There's a lot of politics behind this. I mean, what's a little bit unsettling, I think, to a lot of people, including the players, this is a signature event, right? This is where the WTA gets most of its resources. This is a tour event that pays the players the most money. This is scheduled on the calendar for about eight weeks from now, and we still don't have an official site. That's, that's problematic.
Player party, it's in your frogs. What, yeah, what, 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 I don't know, what you're, as the former player here who would have gone through this, what do you think? It's unsettling. And you think about the players that are, you know, likely to make it or right there in terms of the race. It is very difficult, you know, to feel like, you know, you, you've got a real goal in terms of where you're going to be. And also the build up to the tournament, you know, getting the fans involved, building excitement for it. We saw it in Dallas a bit last year in Fort Worth, um, that because of the short time frame, the fans couldn't really appreciate the event the same way. And they wanted it. You know, they were ready for some tennis, but it's just difficult when you have such a short time frame and you just have no real runway to lead to this event. And it's a big event. I mean, yeah, this that, is what you work for. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, Jen, is the fact that it's the premier event of the tour, right? It's the tour's premier event, and here we are eight weeks out. It doesn't send a good message, I don't think, in terms of operationally, in terms of the business folks that work so hard to make these things uh, come to fruition. You talked about the troubles in Texas last year. It is really hard when you have no time. I don't really care where you are. You want your premier event to be promoted. You want a long runway. You want lots of opportunity. And John, you use the word stopgap. That's kind of not what you want to use with your premier right. top tier event of your tour. You don't want your top tier event to be a stopgap. Seems uh, a little antithetical to me. Not what the players uh, want to see or hear, but uh, we'll continue to follow this story. Follow John on Twitter. Follow Tennis.com as well. And we will have the latest on where the WTA Finals will eventually end up. We've got all the highlights for you coming up on the show, including Coco Golf. How about three American men fighting for two semifinal spots? Fritz, Foe, and Big Ben all playing for history. Plus, the 2023 Labor Cup is just a couple weeks away. We'll tell you if Team World can repeat in Vancouver. And it's been 20 years since the American man won a major singles title. John Wertheim goes unstrung on Andy Roddick. We're just getting started on TC Live. TC Live at the U.S. Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Point, the official racket sports retailer of the ATP Tour. John, Paul, Steve back on TC Live leading up to first ball on this Wednesday as we wrap up the singles quarterfinals. This weekend, TC Live turns into a post-game show following the women's and men's singles championships. We've got all the after-match coverage and analysis you could hope and desire coming your way right here on Tennis Channel. John's going to be in New York. Prakash is going to make his way into the studio. Well, top-ranked American man Taylor Fritz looking to get his first win against the man who is headed back to world number one, John Novak Djokovic. Yeah, Taylor Fritz did not have to face a top 75 opponent to get to this point. And then he gets the new number one, and that elevation in opposition was pretty clear early. Uh, three breaks. Of third. Taylor Fritz didn't hold serve in the first set. Uh, did not get off to the start he wanted. His frustration was pretty visible. I'm not sure how well... Djokovic played. I'm not sure how well Djokovic had to play because uh, Taylor Fritz, who's broken once in the first week, and was broken uh, five times yesterday. And this was sort of vintage Novak. Third set got a little bit more competitive, but um, by that point, pretty much fait accompli. Again, not uh, a good day at the office from Taylor Fritz, and he sort of let that known in his projections and his expressions. Uh, here we are, four all, and Novak comes up with. Uh, with a break of serve, and after that, pretty much a formality. Not Novak's cleanest match, 26 unforced errors, a little high for him in the straight set win, but uh, took care of business, and into the semis is Novak. 
How about another record? 47th major semifinal, and that calls for some Beastie Boys. You have a couple. Okay, everybody ready? You gotta fight for your right to party. Woo! I mean, I'm glad you like, like Travis yeah, Kelsey at the Chiefs Parade. Yeah, right. That's, that's the note that we get to see sometimes that I don't think the viewers at home get to see. Just a fun-loving guy. But what's your instant analysis from this match, Paul? Look, I, I think this is kind of the quintessential Novak Djokovic, right? It was an oppressive day yesterday. It was extremely difficult to play. I thought the level of tennis was not good, especially the first set from both players. I think there was opportunity for both players. Novak didn't look like Novak. Taylor could not get on track. And, and Novak is the king of if you're a little bit off, he makes you feel really off. And I think that's what happened from the beginning of the match. Taylor wasn't able to back up his second serve, especially wasn't hitting targets that well on his first serve. A lot of that is the imposed pressure from Djokovic. Did pretty well from the rally point, uh, but could not put enough pressure on Novak. And the biggest question against any great player is how do you make him feel uncomfortable? And, and Taylor couldn't do that yesterday. Some of it's style, some of it's self-imposed pressure, some of it's realistic pressure. But uh, those are all questions that Taylor needs to ask himself, and he will be discussing uh, with Mike Russell, which he has already. I'll throw in my two cents. But for Djokovic, this is, this is what we've seen for so many years. The guy figures it out. It's unbelievable. And you mentioned it, John. He didn't play great. He did exactly what he had to do to get through a really tricky day. Mm. Yeah, and another way you try to make the top players uncomfortable is getting off to a good start, is applying that pressure early in the match. And Fritz just was not able to do that, unfortunately. Couldn't quite get the serve going. That was a critical area. Obviously, Novak Djokovic, one of the best returners out there. But you've got to make him feel your presence. And, you know, when you're just over 50% of first serves in, struggling to win points on the second serve, it's just too much of a hill to overcome against somebody who is an all-time great. So, unfortunate day for Taylor Fritz. Great tournament, though, getting to his first major quarterfinal. So hopefully he can build on that and kind of reset. Uh, but, yeah, it was a tough one to not play your best tennis in. First quarterfinal at the U.S. Open for Taylor Fritz. So a nice tournament for him there. Uh, Novak Djokovic just one win away from getting to the final at all four majors for the third time <laughs> in his career. Uh, the, the GOAT stats just continue to grow. Well, the U.S. Open saved the best for last on the schedule. Francis Tiafo, Ben Sheldon under the lights. First All-American men's quarterfinal here in nearly two decades, Paul. Yeah, this was uh, Broadway and Flushing, right? You have two guys that are so great and so theatrical. Ben Shelton was the one, guys, that I felt brought the energy. He was the one that almost muted Francis a little bit from the beginning. And you have to stick with who you are on the court, especially in pressure moments. Talk about pressure moments. How about that, guys? After double faulting twice in a row... Ben Shelton comes up with that down set point. To me, that's just incredible. That's about knowing who you are and trusting it. It's also about being young and carefree. And he was both of those. He was exciting. He brought a lot of energy, got the crowd into it, loves the showmanship. And look, that powers him. That makes him feel good. That gives him a lot of fun. And Francis just wasn't able to kind of gain traction throughout this match. And look at that energy Ben just kept bringing. We didn't see a lot of that from Francis. And we usually do so I wonder Francis subconsciously had a little bit of the I'm supposed to win this match and maybe put a little too much pressure but for that young man he was stellar and did an amazing job Big Ben dialed in let's hear from him after 
Tonight was a real physical battle. Um, that was the true test. You know, you have Francis Tiafo on the other side of the court, and and you have the weather uh, that you had in there. You know, it was uh, pretty muggy, pretty hot, and 75 you know, of the match. I think both both of us were finishing points fairly tired. That was the the key for me tonight, just being tough and being relentless, and and knowing that I could go the distance physically, no matter how bad it hurt. And uh, that was just kind of what I was sticking with. Last year, he was ranked 170, 165, I believe, lost in the first round. Now he's in the semifinals, and this is a guy who's in the live rankings in the top 20, John. Uh, what impressed you the most from his performance? I, I think one of it was just physically how he held up. I mean, I was getting texts from people who were, of course, it's disgusting here. This is the worst night of the summer in New York. <laughs> and he played through the heat and humidity. I mean, for Francis, is a tough physical out, too, and... Ben seemed fresher, had more energy. I'm not sure. We can talk about the Francis side of the equation. But I, I just think to have that level of energy, that presence on stage. And, again, I go back to this unpredictability. You don't know what this guy's going to do. You don't know what shot he's going to hit. He's got all sorts of weapons, including the serve, obviously. He's a real chaos agent out here. Yeah, I think for me it was how gutsy Ben Shelton was. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were some shots he took that a lot of players wouldn't have thought about in those moments. We saw the one on, you know, set point, set point down in that third set where he just went after the forehand. You know, I think that kind of gutted Francis Tiafo, really. The end of the third set, that really was the match. And it looked like things were turning in Tiafo's favor. I mean, he was the top player coming in, the more experienced player, had already a terrific tournament backing up the semifinal uh, from last year. Uh, so a lot of, of check marks in the Tiafo column. Um, but I think for, with Shelton, it was just incredible how he kept going after these shots and huge moments. And I was having fun watching his dad, Brian, yeah. on the side. Like, after the two double faults, it was like, oh, my stars, what just happened? And then the forehand, it was like, yes, we got it. And, and he's more used to seeing his son, you know, go after those kinds of shots. And you could tell he just gives him free reign to let him be who he is. And it was fantastic for us to watch it in real time. He has that it quality, right? Because, I mean, big moment, Arthur. Ash Stadium, two Americans. This is what everybody was talking about. And he, he brought his game in the moments that mattered most. I want to spin it forward. What chances do you give him against Novak Djokovic? Yeah, well, we'll see about the big moment now, right? It just went from pretty big to unbelievably big against the most accomplished player in the history of the game. So it's going to be a different level. And two words that give him a great opportunity. And John just said it, chaos agent. Mm. He's going to do things to break rhythm. That's his opportunity right there. One of the most amazing things about Ben Shelton is at his young age already, he knows who he is and how he needs to play to be successful. Can he back that up? Can he trust it under pressure? When you get to the last four and the last two of a major, it is a different arena. It's a different environment. How good is your offense? Can you still swing freely? We're going to find out against Novak because it's a lot of tough questions. But the last thing I want to cap it with is he's a lot like Carlos Alcaraz. He has fun when he's out there doing it. Yeah. You know, he enjoys the moment. For me, that is so great to see. He embraces it. He loves it. And all those weapons, you just shake your head and go, keep swinging. It's fun to watch. <laughs> That's what he says. He says, sometimes you got to shut off the brain, close the eyes, and just swing. <laughs> Trust yourself, it. right? Yeah, <laughs> he did that. That's what he's been able to do. And that big Ben energy, we're going to see that in the semifinals. When we come back, the two women's quarterfinals, as Coco Golf continues her quest for a first major title, see what she did for the first time since Serena. The big show rolling on after a quick break.
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. A reminder to download the U.S. Open app to follow your favorite players, track the latest scores, stats, match highlights, player news, and much more. It is available in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Back to the action from yesterday. Coco Golf trying to become the first American teenager to reach the semifinals of the U.S. Open since Serena in 01 came out on fire against Yelena Ostapenko. Yeah, and Coco, you could tell, had a strategy when she walked out on court. She wasn't going to overplay. She was not going to play the Ostapenko who beat Fiontech on Sunday night. She was going to play the Ostapenko that showed up on Tuesday. And that is exactly <laughs> what she Ostapenko. did. Very different Ostapenko. She was missing a bit, but some of that had to do with golf and how well she started using all of her weapons. The drop shot there. The forehand was clicking when she needed it. The backhand is the big weapon. She didn't have to overthink this match. She made it physical when she needed to. Conditions were tough. And that favorite golf. Things got a little bit tricky in the second set, but golf again just competed, went to work, battled to hold on to the lead. And the forehand closing it out on match point, that is so typical of what we've seen in golf recently. And we like it. The most lopsided major win in her career. Let's go inside the press room with Coco. When you're playing these tournaments, the pressure is always on. Like, you know, you're, these, they're so intense and you always want to win. And I think for me, I just learned how to cope with that better the more I've reached this level. And you have some people who kind of know already how to do it already when they come on tour and some who need to learn. And I think that's just part of life and just part of learning. And I think that's why sometimes, you know, someone has a great result, like when they come out the gates and then it's tough to back it up because you've just never been in this position before. So I think the more that I've gotten into this position, the more I've just been able to learn how to handle it. Let's take a look at the hot cocoa summer. I mean, this has been spectacular, Paul. Can she be more thought out for a young team? To every every time I see her in the press room, she's amazing. And you, you know get real. <laughs> and you combine with what she says with what we see on the board here, she's just amazing. I mean, she has her thinking cap on. Sure, she's emotional. She's passionate. But she doesn't let that cloud her ability to figure out what she needs to do to learn. And when you're as talented as she is and you have all those ingredients, that's what you get on the screen right there, and it's only going to get better. Bonafide superstar Coco Goff. So who is next for her? Carolina Mukova, Sarana Kristeva is looking to make their first semifinal in New York, and the first set bagel theme continued. Yeah, I mean, this was a lot tighter, though, this first set than the scoreline indicated, but shots like that from Mukova in the corner coming up with the forehand pass. Kristeva didn't play badly, but just couldn't capitalize on a slew of break point opportunities. She had game points, 
on her serve as well. Six love set, but Kirstea would get up two love. Got the early break in the second set, but Mukova didn't panic again. Just staying poised, coming up with another beautiful forehand pass. It was actually Kirstea who was looking to come in a little bit more. It just didn't work. And Mukova, she was so good at biding her time, coming in at the right opportunities. Second set, she handled a more game Kirstea and got it done in straights. 32 winners to just 15 unforced errors. And this time last year, Mukova was ranked 235. Now up to eight in the live rankings with a chance to go higher. Spectacular stuff. And that semifinal is a rematch of the Cincinnati final just a couple weeks ago. Coco took that in straight sets for her first 1,000 title. John, it's been a, uh, quite the progression, right? The first 500-level title, first 1,000 title, and now two wins from her first major title. Who, who else is old enough to remember Wimbledon 2023? It's like two months ago. We were saying, what's going on uh, with Coco Goff? Should we, should we think about redoing her grip on the forehand? Should she take time off? Um, it's been a nice summer post-Wimbledon. You know, she played Mufa, as you say, Steve, in that Cincinnati final, you know, what, two, two and a half weeks ago. And I, I told him, well, you can't count that because it was really hot that day. And it was, uh, you know, the, the conditions were oppressive. That might well be the case when they play again. So I think there actually is probably some predictive value in that. Probably doesn't hurt that Coco knows, A, I've beaten this player recently, and B, she kind of wilted in the heat. I mm. think this uh, may, may favor Coco. Yeah, mean, look. Who, who said you can't count that final, though? Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Oh, my, 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 <laughs> I'm my, curious. Uh, my, my heavily biased group text where people have uh, fans. But, but yeah, I, I think that match has real sort of resonance here, and I think that will be fresh on both of their minds. I think Mujova has the game style that can cause problems my my biggest question is does she have it against this tremendous athlete in this venue at this moment you know there's going to be a lot of things pushing against her crowd history what happened in cincinnati so we're going to see how well carolina can kind of get through the mental stuff that allows you to play the way you want to play I trust Coco in this moment. I know what she's going to be able to do with the athleticism if she has to defend. So, me, it's about managing the moment, who's going to play the big points better, and you have to lean Coco at this stage right now. It's, it's been fun to see the progression of Coco, and you yeah. talk about the titles she's won recently, step up each time. Remember, beginning of the year, winning Auckland, that was, what, a 250? Yes. I mean, that seems like so long ago when you consider the changes, the adjustments in her game just over this summer period. And I think that is part of what's going to help give her the advantage in this match. It's still going to be a tough battle, but this was that Cincinnati final. Oh, is this the one that doesn't count? That's yeah. the one that doesn't we count. That. But it, was count. Names, it, was, it was hot more than very <laughs> hardcore. Why would that be relevant? Exactly, going into the U.S. Open where it's going to be hot and on hardcore. But this was a real crowning moment for Coco Golf, especially after beating Iga Sviantek yep. for the first time um, this week in Cincinnati. So I think that mentally, her mindset, she's just in a different place. And I think that gives her a bit of an advantage. But she's going to have to work through some different problems that Mukova poses. Uh, it is challenging to constantly be under pressure, to have to hit passing shots um, all the time. She's so good with her hands at the net. Can golf match her in that department? I think she can uh, in, in some instances. So it'll be interesting to see the interplay in this match. Hopefully they both play well. And we just see a good battle. There are two better athletes on tour. Uh, this will be two, two real jocks going at it. Coco would get to number three in the world if she wins this event. So that's, that's another incentive. Ten matches in a row. First time she's won double-digit matches in a row in her career. 
You get that dirty dozen. You get your first <laughs> right. major title. Looking forward to that semifinal with Coco and Carolina. Much more still to come here on TC Live. We've got semifinal previews later in the show. We are leading up to the day session in New York. That's noon Eastern on ESPN. More TC Live after a quick break. Back on TC Live, the tennis shop powered by Tennis Point is the new online store featuring the latest apparel and equipment. Scan that QR code on your screen or visit TennisShop.com today to search a wide selection of brands and get the very same gear as your favorite pros. We are leading up to first ball on this Wednesday in New York, and USOpen.org is your online home for point-by-point -point live scoring, highlights, real-time stats, and draws. Visit the official tournament site at usopen.org today. Steve Weissman back with you in our studios. And while the U.S. Open is America's slam, Novak Djokovic has slammed the red, white, and blue. He's a perfect 11-0 against Americans in New York and has won 30 straight matches overall. He'll go for another in the semis versus Ben Shelton. For a look at today's forecast, here's Fox Weather. Good morning, tennis fans. I'm Fox Weather's Stephen Morgan. Today's forecast in Queens for the U.S. Open, hot. Temperatures in the 90s, plenty of sun. You can stream Fox Weather on your favorite connected device, like Samsung TV Plus, channel 1010. Always on, always free. A hot one. Well, two more wins, and Andy Roddick will no longer be the answer to a trivia question. John Wertheim reports on why it's something Roddick would love to see. More TC Live after this. Over 13 years enveloping 1989 to 2002, American men combined to win 27 major singles titles. So what was taking Roddick so long to break through? Ah, the impatience of the tennis salon and the weight of expectation. Then it happened. At the 2003 U.S. Open, an event 20 years ago this week, Andy Roddick emerged. In the beginning of the tournament, he reached majoritarian age, turning 21. In the end, he reached majoritarian status as a tennis player, taking his first major, his home major. It didn't come easy. It was a rainy tournament. This was pre-Ruth Silver Stadiums, and the sessions were filled with delays. Roddick won his quarterfinal round on a Friday. In the semis, he played David Nalbandian, who had already beaten the recent Wimbledon champion, a guy named Federer. Against Nalbandian, Roddick lost the first two sets and was a point from defeat. Roddick, though, stole the third set in a tiebreaker and then cruised home. After a fitful night of non-sleep, Roddick came back the following day to play the final against Spain's Juan Carlos Ferreira, who was seated third, a spot above Roddick. Before the match, Roddick told himself he had to come out swinging and then keep fighting. He did, and he did. Serving for the title, he fittingly had three aces in a row. And like that, he had broken through. Roddick would not, of course, win the second major. His career coinciding with the ascent of Federer, then Nadal, then Djokovic. But let's focus on what he did do. 
Ronick reached number one in the rankings, reached four more major finals, and discharged his duties with wit more than professionals. First of all, I'd like to congratulate Roger. You're starting to become very, very annoying. Um, then he became a victim of history all over again. Two decades later, Roddick says it's been too long. He'd be thrilled if another American could come along and replace him. In the last year alone, Americans have reached the semis of three different majors. But the streak, the Roddick streak we'll call it, underscores how hard it is to win one of these. And it also underscores just how good a player the last American man to do it really was. That is our guy. Could not ask for a better person to carry the torch for American major tennis on the men's side. And take a look at this. Close, but no cigar since Roddick was able to raise that trophy. Agassi, Roddick, a couple runners up. Tiafo, now Ben Shelton, who knows? Robbie Ginepri, don't forget about Robbie. Made the semis in 2005 as well. Uh, listen, we talk about this all the time. Uh, but, Paul, as Taylor's coach, how much do the guys talk about it, the fact that it hasn't been done in 20 years? I, I don't know that they talk about it so much. I think they think about it. Mm. You know, I think they think about it in particular when they get reminded by us lovely folks every time they go into a press room, right, and especially this time of year and during all the other majors. Um, but it's, it's in the back of their mind, and that's one of the things I love about this group of players, all these young guys in particular, push each other, and they all want to do it. And, and to see the way they've handled it, and now for Ben Shelton to jump onto the screen like this as well, I think it's only a great thing. You know, Andy is Andy. He's done an amazing job um, carrying the flag for so long, had a great career. He could, let's not forget what he had to go through. Okay, he came after Andre and Pete mm -hmm. and Jim and Michael. I mean, and, and then it was like, oh, he's only going to win one major? <laughs> one hit one? Yeah, and, and then, you know, and then Roger shows up. So Andy's been an amazing icon, and now these guys are trying to jump in those shoes as well. And I think it's great because I think all of them have talent to put themselves in this position. Mm -hmm. Can they get across the line, the last four, the last two, and hold? I don't know. It's up to them. But they all have that opportunity, and I think it's a great thing. Yeah, I mean, they, they're putting themselves in a position, getting to, you know, quarters and semis. The next step is to get to a major final, and you've got to put yourself in that place to have that opportunity. I think for all of these guys, the fact that they're in a little bit of a group together, they're still very young. Still, when we consider the longevity of players' careers now, you know, they have time. But it's the pressure you sometimes feel, especially coming from a country like the U.S., where there has been such a great history of incredible players. Just had Serena retire, who's an all-time great with, you know, 23 major titles. It's difficult when you have that mantle and you're trying to find your own way. So I think they are in great position um, right now. Certainly, you know, seeing that match last night makes you feel even better about it. Taylor Fritz has been amazing. The way he's been, you know, solidly playing inside the top 10 now along with Tommy Paul pushing his mm -hmm. way up there. So I think that's the first steps. And, you know, we'll see what happens. But it's hard to follow in the footsteps of these great players. And Andy Roddick, we talk so much about him as a colleague, but he was an, a tremendous player as well to push through the way he did. Such a great addition to the Tennis Channel family, Andy Roddick. But he also had that personality, John, where he was self-deprecating, the quick wit, all that. I see that in some of these young Americans as well. 
Yeah, exactly, because I think that's part of it in handling what you talk about, the, the burden of history and the fact that you're, you're now, it's funny because with Roddick you had this condensed history. I don't understand. Andre and Pete and Jim are picking these things off. What's this guy's problem? And now history sort of has t tyranny on the other side. It's been 20 years. What's the problem? But I think sort of managing the occasion, managing perspective, that's something Andy did really well. I also think it's interesting, you know, like the, the 1972 Dolphins, last undefeated football team, they have a toast every time a team loses. They want this record. Andy's the opposite. Andy would be doing backflips if, uh, you know, if, if this tournament, if, if Ben Shelton ended up winning this thing. He doesn't want to have this uh, 20 years later. He's ready for someone to... Uh, take over for him. But no, I, a lot of this is about tennis, and a lot of this is about not having your career coincide with uh, three guys winning 20 or more majors, but a lot of this is about managing the moment. I think Andy did that so well throughout his career. There was always professionalism, but there also was perspective. Yeah, that, that's really well said, John. And I, if he doesn't keep this record, he still has the fastest serve record at the U.S. Open, yeah, right? 152. 152. Ben yeah. came close. Yeah. 149. Which, which record goes first? Yeah, I know. Serve <laughs> or major title? We shall see. Much more still to come here on TC Live. In fact, maybe Andy Roddick could eventually become Team World's Labor Cup captain takeover for John McEnroe one day. I could see that. Three-day event. Roddick would do that. Uh, we'll break down the big event next. Welcome back. I love hearing that music. It means Labor Cup. Can Taylor Fritz, Francis Tiafo, and Team World repeat as champs this year? They will take on Stefano Tsitsipas, Casper Ruud, and Team Europe in Vancouver, Canada. Do not miss Tennis Channel's exclusive live coverage of the three-day event beginning Friday, September 22nd. Let's take a look at the results over the years, starting back in 2017. Last year, the first time Team World was able to break through and get the victory I'll never forget back 2017 Paul it was me and you we called it when when Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal played doubles together for the first time and they won in that match tiebreak against Sock and Query and that, that was when I was like all right Labor Cup's for real I'm seeing Fed and, and Nadal playing doubles together yeah I remember the, yeah I remember the next year I think we called it and I was calling it with Jimmy Arias came in town. Jimmy's like, so, so, will these guys try? I mean, what is this? An <laughs> What's this going to be? Like? I'm like, dude, wait till you see how tight everybody right. gets. There is unbelievable pressure. They've done an amazing job with this event. It is a highlight of the year. It's so much fun to watch, to see all these great individuals come together for their team, to watch the camaraderie. Mm -hmm. the pre you wouldn't think that there's going to be any pressure on the court, and then you listen to the changeovers and the players talking to each other. It's really, it has been so much fun to watch the evolution. I mean, behind the scenes when uh, Roger and Rafa are talking to Alexander Zverev and you see on the sidelines with McEnroe and Nick Kyrgios and Jackson, it's been pretty cool to watch, John, and some of the big moments. I mean, it was a couple of years ago in Boston when it was all about Team Europe. Absolutely waxed Team World. That was two years ago. That was uh, put a lot of pressure on John McEnroe to hang on to his job. Um, but in uh, this, this was in Boston two, two years ago when it was back in, uh, in, in North America. I mean, look, the, the black court, we talked about miking up the players. And I think, Paul, what you said before, I mean, I think they were intent from the very beginning of, listen, this is not an exhibition. And the players took a cue from that. The fans take a cue from the players. This was, Look at this. This was an absolute domination. This is when you realize, though, it's been 15 years since a non-European won a major. Um, so Europe as the sports nerve center looked like it uh, two years ago when they kept that streak going. And then it was snapped 
last year. Much, much different vibe, and uh, it's going to be a different vibe this year as well. Yeah, and last year, Chad, it was big foe. Francis Tiafo coming through in the clutch in a match that determined it all. Yeah, it was incredible the way Francis Tiafo rose to the occasion. I think that was a moment where he really started announcing himself, getting to a U.S. Open semifinal, and then doing this. In the most pressure-filled moments, it was a match point for Tsitsipas. Tiafo came through big, got it to the third set, and he really was just the more poised, confident player, plus the athleticism. He made some incredible gets. That was one of them. When you've got your whole team going, what did I just see? It is amazing. And Look to that, that on exhibition. Rush yeah. the court. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned it, John. Like, that was a turning point. And you figure... Things have shifted completely now in Labor Cup. These yeah. future matchups. That's right. We no more big three playing in the Labor Cup this year. Uh, last year won by Team World, but the really sentimental part of last year and the, the thing that won over all the fans was seeing Roger and Rafa play one more time. Yeah, I mean, it was, look, it's it's always hard to say goodbye to your legends, and I think it was tough for Roger to say goodbye, and I think that's why he picked up the phone and called Rafa and said, look, this is going to be it for me. Can you uh, come on and, and come on, let's play one doubles match together, and Rafa graciously did so with his uh, rival, and they lost this tough match, but I think this was uh, kind of secondary to what was going on. A lot of emotion, we've seen it through the years from that man right there, and uh, a lot of people shedding some tears. Rafa in the background, though, just behind Roger under his left arm there, knows that was it for his rival. So for me, it's always hard to say goodbye to legends, and uh, this was a special one. What did you take from that, Chanda, seeing the two of them in tears together, sitting next to one another as, as Roger Federer played his last professional tennis man. I was kind of crying as well, yeah. Steve. I had some tears, but I was like, what is going on? <laughs> oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't expect all of this. I mean, you know, Labor Cup has uh, become a terrific, fun event. We, we see the drama, but that was another level when you think about the history that both of those players kind of represented, and, and it was going to be the last time we see them on court together, the last time we see Roger Federer in this type of competitive uh, format. It was just a lot to handle, but I was so glad I was had kind of a front row seat to watch it, and I think a lot of fans felt that way as well. I mean, it brought so many people differing opinions <laughs> on all three of these players, but that moment, I think everybody was together. It was a lot to handle. I mean, they were holding hands. <laughs> They were in all their fields at that moment. Uh, the roster's looking a little bit different this year. Let's take a look at what Team Europe and Team World are sending out. John, uh, what do you make of these? These rosters. Yeah, I mean, let's candidly, kind of a big year for the Labor Cup. No Roger, no Rafa, no Novak, no Alcaraz. So this will be a chance to see if the event can sort of thrive uh, on, in a different different kind of context. But look, I mean, there's still some great players here filled with guys in the top ten. Runa, Casper Ruud, Sitsipas, and, you know, who knows? Uh, look at that bottom right name. Not out of the question that we will have a major champion. If nothing else, uh, Ben Shelton, the player who will be coming to Vancouver with a lot of buzz. W which matchup do you want to see most, Paul, out of that? I'll tell you what I want to see. I want to see Ben Shelton and Gael Monfils. Okay. Oh. I want to a lot see of hot that. shots. I want, to see, I, want to see, I want to see that on the last day okay. when there's a lot on the line and it's packed. And we're going to see some good theatrics if that happens. Chanda? I'd like to see Rublev Tiafo, a little okay. rematch of the, what was that, the U.S. Open quarterfinal mm -hmm, right. last yeah, year. Yeah. I, I kind of like that, that contrasting style, and I like how Rublev goes after it. So I, I like seeing Foe kind of match up against him, and anybody against Gael Monfils would be fun for me. What about Holger and Ben Shelton? 
Yeah. Couple of two. I mean, your your age gap with Monfils is 17 years. This this is a matter of months. So here are two guys, 20 years old, play very different, comport themselves very differently. Um, I think that. I mean, Al Alcaraz also in the 20-year club, but yeah. I think uh, Runa and Shelton could be a lot of fun. We'll see what happens. I love the doubles matchups as well. Seeing guys that normally don't play together team up. Cannot wait for the Labor Cup once again, September 22nd, right here on Tennis Channel, and of course, TC Live every day during the Labor Cup. It is a pre-game show on Friday and Saturday, a post-game show on Sunday. It's pumpkin spice latte season. It's Labor Cup season. Both autumnal delights. Back after this. Squad back on TC Live, Daniil Medvedev. He knows what it takes to win in the Big Apple. Champion at the U.S. Open a couple years ago. Ooh, Australian Open string bag. Yeah, oh, Danny, 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 Danny. Mixed, mixed, uh, mixed metaphor. Danny, Danny. Danny, Danny. Doesn't have to deal with Sitsipas. Uh, this is your order of play on Arthur Ashe Stadium today. All quarterfinals. Arena Sabalenka first up against Zhang Qinwen. Then it is the all-Russian battle. Medvedev taking on his good friend, Andrei Rublev. Night session, Matty Keys, Marketa Vondrosova. And then, of course, the returning champ, Carlos Alcaraz and Alexander Zverev. Let's take a closer look at that one because it's uh, not exactly what you may think. Carlos Alcaraz coming in, top seed, returning champ, number one in the world. Alexander Zverev, Tennis Express head-to-head. -head. You can see it right there, 3-2 to the German star. Including a win at Roland Garros, that's their only major match. Alcaraz did win the most recent affair, dropping just three games in Madrid. Here is Alcaraz talking about playing Zverev. Against Sasa, you know, the head-to-head -head, uh, as well is really, really close. So we, we've played great matches. Uh, he's, he's playing really, really well. Uh, this, uh, this year, he's finding his, his top level again. And this was that last meeting, Paul, and it was all Carlitos. It was, but let's keep things in context, right? I mean, Zverev's still coming off a tremendously bad ankle injury from Roland Garros a little uh, over a year ago, a little before a year ago when this happened, and, and he just really wasn't. The, this is a totally different Zverev. Don't take anything away from Alcaraz. He was terrific, but what we're seeing now... Uh, at the U.S. Open throughout this summer and the hard court season is uh, Zverev close to back at the top of this game, and it's a guy that's beaten um, Alcaraz three out of the five times they've played, so he knows he can do it. We'll see how much he's recovered from four hours and 45 minutes the other night against Sinner. Yeah, that, that was a beast. Uh, what's, what's the game plan, Chanda, for both of the players in this one? You know, I think for Zverev, you know, he's so solid from the ground, and he can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with anybody. He can hit winners, you know, from the back of the court, especially off the backhand side. He did a, an excellent job against center, and I think the confidence boost he got from winning that match should help him at the start of this one against Alcaraz. But physically, I'm kind of curious where Zverev will be as well. How much has he recovered? It's incredibly tough when you play that late, when you play that much of a physical match in these type of conditions to recover and sort of have all the juice. And he's going to need that against Alcaraz, who I think is going to look to be a little more aggressive when he can. Yeah. I mean, that's the style that has gotten him to the top of the, the rankings. I think it's definitely important against Verev, especially when he's so far back in the court and he's able to defend and use those long levers and his ranginess. Uh, so I think that's going to be important for Alcaraz and the serve as well to try to get some free points 
get off to good starts in his service game where he doesn't play from behind. Yeah, make it physical, see how much damage Zverev uh, might be bringing in after that five-setter less than 48 hours ago. But I, I think that uh, I think Alcaraz is going to, you know, they, they can hang with each other from the baseline. I wonder, though, this last time they played a best-of-five match, it was a major, it was anticipated. I think that has much more predictive value than a best-of-three clay match. And Zverev won that one. So I think that may have some impact here. Also 2-0 and on hard courts yeah, against right, right, Alcaraz. Right. So this is obviously the place where he's made the final before. Alcaraz has won here before. He won't be able to ask Carlitos for tips, though, like he did on the golf course a couple months <laughs> oh, that's ago. That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. How do I beat yeah. you? Right? He's probably not going to tell him that. Carlos is nice, but not that nice. Uh, the other match going on today, all-Russian battle. Tennis Express head-to-head between these two. 5-2 Medvedev, including a win in the U.S. Open quarterfinals three years ago. Most recent meeting went to Medvedev as well. That was the final of Dubai. Let's hear from the three seed about facing his good friend. I think we have great relationship and even if they're on the court we're big competitors so I do think one match could be when I say a fight like we could talk or something like this. It's it's great to have someone like this on tour because sometimes it can be not easy. You travel, travel, travel and to have a friend like this is great and not much more to add. So but again on the court we both want to win and uh, we're not going to be friends uh, in two days. Uh, these two, they've been playing since 10 and unders back in Russia. Rublev said they played for four hours. Each rally was 10 minutes, and it ended in tears and racket throwing. Well, not as many tears or racket throwing in this final of Dubai. No, but the uh, same kind of grind, right, from the back of the court. You have two of the best ground strokers in the business and two very different ground strokers. You have Rublev, who likes to stand up on the baseline, and you have Medvedev, who likes to back up, redirect, and move around. And this time in Dubai, it was all Daniel Medvedev. The question for Rublev is, how are you going to finish the points? Are you going to stand on the baseline and just try to hit it through him? That is very difficult to do. Rublev has gotten better at the net, mm. but he doesn't love to be there. And Medvedev is great with a target. So a lot of difficult uh, ingredients in this recipe for Andre Rublev, but they know each other so well. He knows he can do it. Can he do it three out of five sets in heat, humidity, and kind of a medium hardcore? Yeah, and it's interesting. We talk about friends playing each other. This is deeper than that, John. I mean, Andrzej Rublev is the godfather to Medvedev's daughter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so this this is a you know, there's a familiar relationship. There's personal. I mean, I think they, they know each other's patterns, but I also think they know each other's personalities. They're able to interpret each other's body language. Keep in mind too, Rublev 0 and 8 in major quarterfinals. So uh, not not a great track record there either. Yeah, this is a tough one to try to get to your first major semifinal. And I think the matchup is a problematic one uh, for Rublev because of all of the balls that Medvedev can get back into play. And when you're blasting from the ground, you're increasing your risk. The more winning shots you've got to hit against an opponent. Uh, so he's got to maybe try to get in, try to finish some of those points off at the net or take balls out of the air. That's also difficult with the guile that Medvedev can produce below the net. He can get those shots dipping. So I think it's a tough matchup. But again, we talk so much about the serving. If Rublev can come out and serve well and really keep himself even down the stretch, maybe he can pull a few points out of the bag and get the edge, certainly in a set or two, and that makes it a different match. That will be incredibly tough to do. 
three out of five sets, but at least that would give him a good start. The, the 0 for 8 stat, John, that, that's a big one. I think the, yeah. the first set is really meaningful here. If Rublev can get out to a, to a hot start and just give himself some confidence, because mm -hmm. 0 for 8 is always going to be in the back of your head. More still to come here on TC Live. We have all your doubles action, including Tay Tay, Taylor Townsend, plus how about Jesse Pagula in Mixed? Shader Rubin will bless you with all the knowledge you need to know from Madison Keys and Marquetta von Drosleval. And it is a warm and fuzzy reunion with Andre Rublev. You don't want to miss more TC Live on the way. No days off for Team Coco. That's right. She is alive in singles and doubles. Playing with Jesse Pagula in some doubles action today. And, of course, into the semifinals in singles as well. Taking a look at the Americans in doubles action. Six photos, five humans. How about that? We got Coco and Jesse playing a quarterfinal match in women's doubles. And then it's all Americans in the semifinals in mixed. Taylor and Ben Shelton, Pagula and Austin Krychek. We got to number one in the world in men's doubles this year. Still in the draft. It's, it's not just single. I mean... I know we talked about 20 years since this and that and the other, and uh, the women have done some stuff, but the men in doubles, we've had Rajiv Ram, number one in the world, Austin Krajcek, number one in the world. Yeah. Men are doing an excellent job. Yeah. Singles, doubles, <laughs> mixed now. Now mixed. Yeah. Ben Shelton why not? can go, can try to get a couple of titles. Yeah, why not? Ben's going to keep a busy, uh, busy man. Well, this is some mixed doubles action. Austin Krajcek. He got the men's doubles win to reach the semi, brought those same vibes to the court with Jesse Pagula against Ellen Perez and Jean-Julien Roger. There's Perez. You'll, you'll notice Perez uh, sponsored by Charter and Spectrum. Too soon for the test pattern? <laughs> no? Same uh, there she is. See, look yeah, at that. But, uh, no, Jesse Pagula out of singles, but still going for multiple titles. As you say, Steve, Frank French Open doubles champion, very good doubles player. This was good. Entertaining stuff, uh, Jesse. Not often you see a third seed in singles lose and then stick around to play uh, mix, especially with this level intensity. But she's she's in it to win it. They got uh, some breaks. This went to that super tiebreak. Remember, they just start and play ten points instead of a third set. And Jesse and Krychek win it, ten eight, and advance to the semis. By the way, uh, college tennis represented Georgia. Three times right? There we got Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. We got Texas A&M. We got UCLA. Uh, meantime, Taylor Townsend trying to make the semis in women's doubles as well with Layla Fernandez. The atmosphere, Chanda, was wild in this one. Uh, the crowds were behind Townsend and Fernandez, and they looked good up until this point. Got the first set, and able after this shot, this oh. lob from Townsend <laughs> to get the break, and she's high-stepping. That's got to feel good. That kind of winner. That's the yeah. reaction. That was you warming up, Steve, before your stand-up, right? Yeah, of I, course. I like that. I like that. Inspired. But this, <laughs> this would turn, though. It would go into the third set. Townsend Fernandez did a good job coming back from double breakdown. That hit her? It, it did. It hit her foot. But, you know, it's all fair, John. This is competition. This is grand slam. Like so I'm sorry. She's no, she's really not sorry. You know, Rutliff turned. She didn't look, so Townsend was like, whatever, <laughs> you know, keep it moving. Take that. <laughs> but it was tough because they were up 7-2, Fernandez and Townsend, in the, this match tiebreak and yet lost it. It mm. was a tough last two points, Steve. Yeah. Great I, for Dabrowski and Rutliff. They were, they, yeah, they, they were they, joyous. They, 
They stood strong at the end. They stood strong still against shocked. the team. So bummed, man. They also stood strong against the crowd, and yeah. so yeah. You know, credit to them for getting through to oh. the semifinal. Seven two in that match yeah. tie break. A couple Tough double one. faults as well. Tough one. There's your draw. Jen Brady, by the way. Jen Brady in, in the semifinals. It's Luisa Stefani. Pepperdine UCLA teaming up. Uh, Two-time defending champs. You know this, Paul. Raji Brown, Joe Salisbury looking to win their 16th straight match with the USA. Yeah, it's so great to see Raj still playing at such a high level on the double score. Can they do it three years in a row, Steve? And they can. They can. <laughs> I'll tell you, they played really well. Again, just buttoned up doubles yesterday. They know exactly what the other does well. They protect each other's weaknesses. Look at Salisbury in the middle of the court. He is terrific up at the net to cut balls off. It's Raj there putting the overhead away down a break in the second set. But they didn't flicker at all. Did a nice job hanging tough. Yours? That's usually what I say when I let my partner sit <laughs> Right up the middle. A great return here from Raj. And... Uh, there she goes, folks. That's a heck of an effort from these guys. They just win in New York. That's what they do. Six, four, six, three straight sets, and uh, just a couple wins away from that three-peat. Taking on Dodig and Krychek next. Opana Ebden up at the top and up. Yeah. Here, who's there? Bear? Yeah, Eagle, they're, they're back. They're back and better than ever. Paris 2024. Here they come. That's right. That's right. Good point, John. Looking to play the Olympics together. We're going to break down all the big matches today. Wertheim has his stat of the day. we got people, stars in the stands. And Chanda breaks down Keys and Von Dresselow. We're dialed in on TC Live. Welcome back. Marketa Vondrosova had a magical run at Wimbledon this summer, becoming the first unseeded woman to win the tournament in the Open Era. It was such a surprise that it wasn't until the final that her husband and sister actually got a cat sitter so they could come watch her play. And now she's added a tattoo on her arm with the date of the Wimbledon final. This is what she has done recently. Second career title there at the All England Club. 16-2 and two since the start of Wimbledon. She was outside the top 100 in March, now a top 10 player, and she has won 11 straight matches at Majors, Chanda. Uh, what has sparked her run to the top of the game? You know, she is a, a dynamic player. The lefty spins, very tricky, very smart around the court. She can hit the angles. She's got a tricky serve. And when she starts to put it all together, it can be very dangerous for the field. You think about this is just her third major quarter final in her career. What did she do the last two? She got to the final of Roland Garros, and she won Wimbledon. It is incredible, the career she's had so far out of the blue, and she's still going here at the U.S. Open. Still going. Both of the Czech players remaining, by the way, were outside the top 100 at some point this year, and now here in the semifinals and quarterfinals at the U.S. Open. Last round needed a comeback against Peyton Stearns. How'd she do that? Yeah, you know, she is... She has such belief in herself now. When you become a major champion, when you get into tight situations in matches, you can find a way, and that's exactly what she did. She started moving Stearns around a little bit more, just playing more within herself. Got some misses there at the end, but it's not easy to break down the angles and the trickiness of Vondrosova, and I think for Stearns, that came into play, mm. but she is such a smart player around the court. We talk about that tennis IQ, and she just understands what shots to hit from what positions in the court. She very rarely hits herself out of points, and that makes it very tough for opponents to get the ball through her. 
Hopefully, Chanda will be healthy. She's been nursing that sore left yeah. arm for a couple of rounds now. First meeting against Madison Keys. What's the game plan for Maddie against Marquetta? Yeah, well, Maddie is a power player, and I think she's got to she's got to bring the weapons that got her to this uh, place. She's a former U.S. Open finalist. This is five years though since she has yeah. been to a quarterfinal uh, here at the U.S. Open. So, how much will nerves come into play? Getting off to a good start is going to be critical for Madison Keys, and she's got to use the serve and the margins that she is employing in her game. Not easy to do when you're looking to hit the ball so big, but she's had the balance right so far. All right, looking forward to this matchup. It is time now, as always, for our warm and fuzzy segment. Today, it's Andre Rublev with Michael Costa. I didn't mean to take this to a dark place. Let's make it warm and fuzzy. Ball kick, we have some soft music, please. There we go. Just absorb. She was there all the time waiting for this moment. So poor girl. Okay, thank you, Diana. Thank you. Oh, now you you kick her away, yeah? No, I'm not kicking her away. She's in a small room waiting again for the next one to come to play five seconds. Are you kidding me? You're the only. We knew. I knew that you were going to throw shade at me this interview, and I wanted the harpist to be here for you only. You think I did that for Daniil? There we go. No, only Andre. That's awesome. Uh, you can see all of Michael Costa's great work on these warm and fuzzy segments at TennisChannel.com and YouTube.tv. Coming up next, we get you ready for today's quarterfinal action with all the big highlights and match previews. Keep it close. Steve back on TC Live leading up to first ball on this Wednesday as we wrap up the singles quarterfinals. This weekend, TC Live turns into a post-game show following the women's and men's singles championships. We've got all the after-match coverage and analysis you could hope and desire coming your way right here on Tennis Channel. John's going to be in New York. Prakash is going to make his way into the studio. Well, top-ranked American man Taylor Fritz looking to get his first win against the man who was headed back to world number one, John Novak Djokovic. Yeah, Taylor Fritz did not have to face a top 75 opponent to get to this point. And then he gets the new number one, and that elevation in opposition was pretty clear early. Three breaks of third. Taylor Fritz didn't hold serve in the first set. Uh, did not get off to the start he wanted. His frustration was pretty visible. I'm not sure how well... Djokovic played. I'm not sure how well Djokovic had to play because uh, Taylor Fritz, who's broken once in the first week, and was broken uh, five times yesterday. And this was sort of vintage Novak. Third set got a little bit more competitive, but um, by that point, pretty much fait accompli. Again, not uh, a good day at the office from Taylor Fritz, and he sort of let that known in his projections and his expressions. Uh, here we are, four all, and Novak comes up with. Uh, with a break of serve, and after that, pretty much a formality. Not Novak's cleanest match, 26 unforced errors, a little high for him in this great set win, but uh, took care of business, and into the semis is Novak. How about another record? 47th major semifinal, and that calls for some beastie boys. You have a couple. Okay, everybody ready? Well, you gotta fight for your right to ball. Like Travis yeah, Kelsey at the Chiefs Parade. Yeah, right. That's, that's the Beastie know that boys. we get to see sometimes, and I don't think the viewers at home get to see. Just a fun-loving guy. 
But what's your instant analysis from this match, Paul? Look, I, I think this is kind of the quintessential Novak Djokovic, right? It was an oppressive day yesterday. It was extremely difficult to play. I thought the level of tennis was not good, especially the first set from both players. I think there was opportunity for both players. Novak didn't look like Novak. Taylor could not get on track. And, and Novak is the king of if you're a little bit off, he makes you feel really off. And I think that's what happened from the beginning of the match. Taylor wasn't able to back up his second serve especially wasn't hitting targets that well on his first serve a lot of that is the imposed pressure from Djokovic did pretty well from the rally point uh, but could not put enough pressure on Novak and the biggest question against any great player is how do you make him feel uncomfortable and, and Taylor couldn't do that yesterday. Some of it's style, some of it's self-imposed pressure, some of it's realistic pressure. But uh, those are all questions that Taylor needs to ask himself, and he will be discussing uh, with Mike Russell, which he has already. I'll throw in my two cents. But for Djokovic, this is, this is what we've seen for so many years. The guy figures it out. It's unbelievable. And you mentioned it, John. He didn't play great. He did exactly what he had to do to get through a really tricky day. Yeah, and another way you try to make the top players uncomfortable is getting off to a good start, is applying that pressure early in the match. And Fritz just was not able to do that, unfortunately. Couldn't quite get the serve going. That was a critical area. Obviously, Novak Djokovic, one of the best returners out there. But you've got to make him feel your presence. And, you know, when you're just over 50% of first serves in, struggling to win points on the second serve, it's just too much of a hill to overcome against somebody who is an all-time great so unfortunate day for Taylor Fritz great tournament though getting to his first major quarter final so hopefully he can build on that and kind of reset uh, but yeah it was a tough one to not play your best tennis in first quarter final at the US Open for Taylor Fritz so a nice tournament for him there uh, Novak Djokovic just one win away from getting to the final at all four majors for the third time <laughs> in his career uh, the, the goat stats just continue to grow well the US Open save was best for last on the schedule Francis Tiafoe Ben Shelton under the lights. First All-American men's quarterfinal here in nearly two decades, Paul. Yeah, this was uh, Broadway and Flushing, right? You have two guys that are so great and so theatrical. Ben Shelton was the one, guys, that I felt brought the energy. He was the one that almost muted Francis a little bit from the beginning. And you have to stick with who you are on the court, especially in pressure moments. Talk about pressure moments. How about that, guys? After double-faulting twice in a row, Ben Shelton comes up with that down set point. To me, that's just incredible. That's about knowing who you are and trusting it. It's also about being young and carefree. And he was both of those. He was exciting. He brought a lot of energy, got the crowd into it, loves the showmanship. And look, that powers him. That makes him feel good. That gives him a lot of fun. And Francis just wasn't able to kind of gain traction throughout this match. And look at that energy Ben just kept bringing. We didn't see a lot of that from Francis. And we usually do so I wonder Francis subconsciously had a little bit of the I'm supposed to win this match and maybe put a little too much pressure but for that young man he was stellar and did an amazing job Big Ben dialed in let's hear from him after tonight was a real physical battle um, that was the true test you know you have Francis Tiaf on the other side of the court and and you have the weather uh, that you had in there you know it was uh, pretty muggy Pretty hot, and 75% you know, of the match, I think both both of us were finishing points fairly tired. That was the the key for me tonight, just being tough and being relentless, and and knowing that I could go the distance physically, no matter how bad it hurt. And uh, that was just kind of what I was sticking with.
Last year, he was ranked 170, or 165, I believe, lost in the first round. Now he's in the semifinals, and this is a guy who's in the live rankings in the top 20, John. Uh, what impressed you the most from his performance? I, th I think one of it was just physically how he held up. I mean, I was getting texts from people who were, of course, it's disgusting here. This is the worst night of the summer in New York. <laughs> and he played through the heat and humidity. I mean, for Francis, was a tough physical out, too. And Ben seemed fresher, had more energy. I'm not sure. We can talk about the Francis side of the equation. But I, I just think to have that level of energy, that presence on stage. And, again, I go back to this unpredictability. You don't know what this guy's going to do. You don't know what shot he's going to hit. He's got all sorts of weapons including the serve, obviously. He's a real chaos agent out here. Yeah, I think for me, it was how gutsy Ben Shelton was. I mean, there were some shots he took that a lot of players wouldn't have thought about in those moments. We saw the one on, you know, set point, set point down in that third set where he just went after the forehand. You know, I think that kind of gutted Francis Tiafo, really. The end of the third set, that really was the match. And it looked like things were turning in Tiafo's favor. I mean, he was the top player coming in, the more experienced player, had already a terrific tournament backing up the semifinal uh, from last year. Uh, so a lot of, of check marks in the Tiafo column. Um, but I think for, with Shelton, it was just incredible how he kept going after these shots and huge moments. And I was having fun watching his dad, Brian, yeah. on the side. Like, after the two double faults, it was like, oh, my stars, what just happened? And then the forehand, it was like, yes, we got it. And, and he's more used to seeing his son, you know, go after those kinds of shots. And you could tell he just gives him free reign to let him be who he is. And it was fantastic for us to watch it in real time. He has that it quality, right? Because, I mean, big moment, Arthur. Thrash Stadium, two Americans. This is what everybody was talking about. And he, he brought his game in the moments that mattered most. I want to spin it forward. What chances do you give him against Novak Djokovic? Yeah, well, we'll see about the big moment now, right? It just went from pretty big to unbelievably big against the most accomplished player in the history of the game. So it's going to be a different level. And two words that give him a great opportunity. And John just said it, chaos agent. Mm. He's going to do things to break rhythm. That's his opportunity right there. One of the most amazing things about Ben Shelton is at his young age already, he knows who he is and how he needs to play to be successful can he back that up can he trust it under pressure when you get to the last four and the last two of a major it is a different arena it's a different environment how good is your offense can you still swing freely we're going to find out against Novak because it's a lot of tough questions but the last thing I want to cap it with is he's a lot like Carlos Alcaraz he has fun when he's out there doing it yeah. you know he enjoys the moment for me that is so great to see he embraces it he loves it and all those weapons, you just shake your head and go, keep swinging. It's fun to watch. <laughs> That's what he says. He says, sometimes you got to shut off the brain, close the eyes, and just swing. <laughs> Trust yourself, right? Yeah, <laughs> he did that. That's what he's been able to do. And that big Ben energy, we're going to see that in the semifinals. When we come back, the two women's quarterfinals, as Coco Golf continues her quest for a first major title, see what she did for the first time since Serena. The big show rolling on after a quick break. Reminder to download the U.S. Open app to follow your favorite players, track the latest scores, stats, match highlights, player news, and much more. It is available in the App Store and the Google Play Store. Back 
to the action from yesterday. Coco Golf trying to become the first American teenager to reach the semifinals of the U.S. Open since Serena in 01 came out on fire against Yelena Ostapenko. Yeah, and Coco, you could tell, had a strategy when she walked out on court. She wasn't going to overplay. She was not going to play the Ostapenko who beat Fiontech on Sunday night. She was going to play the Ostapenko that showed up on Tuesday. And that is exactly what <laughs> she <Ostapenko>. did. Very <laughs> different Ostapenko. She was missing a bit, but some of that had to do with golf and how well she started using all of her weapons. The drop shot there. The forehand was clicking when she needed it. The backhand is the big weapon. She didn't have to overthink this match. She made it physical when she needed to. Conditions were tough. And that favorite golf. Things got a little bit tricky in the second set, but golf again just competed, went to work, battled to hold on to the lead. And the forehand closing it out on match point, that is so typical of what we've seen in golf recently. And we like it. The most lopsided major win in her career. Let's go inside the press room with Coco. When you're playing these tournaments, the pressure is always on. Like, you know, you're, these, they're so intense and you always want to win. And I think for me, I just learned how to cope with that better the more I've reached this level. And you have some people who kind of know Hardy how to do it already when they come on tour and some who need to learn. And I think that's just part of life and just part of learning. And I think that's why sometimes, you know, someone has a great result, like when they come out the gates and then it's tough to back it up because you've just never been in this position before. So I think the more that I've gotten into this position, the more I've just been able to learn how to handle it. Let's take a look at the hot cocoa summer. I mean, this has been spectacular, Paul. Can she be more thought out for a young team? So every every time I see her in the press room, she's amazing. And you can, yeah, really. And you combine with what she says with what we see on the board here, she's just amazing. I mean, she has her thinking cap on. Sure, she's emotional. She's passionate. But she doesn't let that cloud her ability to figure out what she needs to do to learn. And when you're as talented as she is and you have all those ingredients, that's what you get on the screen right there, and it's only going to get better. Bonafide superstar Coco Goff. So who is next for her? Carolina Mukova, Serana Kerstanbo is looking to make their first semifinal in New York, and the first set bagel theme continued. Yeah, I mean, this was a lot tighter, though, this first set than the scoreline indicated, but shots like that from Mukova in the corner coming up with the forehand pass. Kerstea didn't play badly, but just couldn't capitalize on a slew of break point opportunities. She had game point on her serve as well. Six love set, but Kerstea would get up two love. Got the early break in the second set, but Mukova didn't panic again. Just staying poised, coming up with another beautiful forehand pass. It was actually Kerstea who was looking to come in a little bit more. It just didn't work, and Mukova, she was so good at biding her time, coming in at the right opportunities. Second set, she handled a more game Kerstea and got it done in straights. 32 winners to just 15 unforced errors. And this time last year, Mukova was ranked 235. Now up to eight in the live rankings with a chance to go higher. Spectacular stuff. And that semifinal is a rematch of the Cincinnati final just a couple weeks ago. Coco took that in straight sets for her first 1,000 title. John, it's been a, uh, quite the progression, right? You have first 500-level title, first 1,000 title, and now two wins from her first major title. Who, who else is old enough to remember Wimbledon 2023? It's like two months ago, we were saying, what's going on yeah. with Coco Goff? Should we, should we think about redoing her grip on the Had forehand? Should she take time off? 
Um, it's been a nice summer post-Wimbledon. You know, she played Mukhova, as you say, Steve, in that Cincinnati final, you know, what, two, two and a half weeks ago. And I, I told them, well, you can't count that because it was really hot that day and it was, uh, you know, the, the conditions were oppressive. That might well be the case when they play again. So I think there actually is probably some predictive value in that. Probably doesn't hurt that Coco knows, A, I've beaten this player recently, and B, she kind of wilted in the heat. I mm. think this uh, may, may favor Coco. I mean, hey, look. Who, who said you can't count that final, though? Yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Right. Oh, my, 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 I'm curious. Uh, so my, my heavily biased group text where people have uh, fans. But, but yeah, I, I think that match has real sort of resonance here, and I think that will be fresh on both of their minds. I think Muhova has the game style that can cause problems. My, my biggest question is, does she have it against this tremendous athlete in this venue at this moment? You know, there's going to be a lot of things pushing against her crowd, history, what happened in Cincinnati. So we're going to see how well Carolina can kind of get through the mental stuff that allows you to play the way you want to play it. I trust Coco in this moment. I know what she's going to be able to do with the athleticism if she has to defend. So, me, it's about managing the moment, who's going to play the big points better, and you have to lean Coco at this stage right now. Yeah, it's, it's been fun to see the progression of Coco, and you yeah. talk about the titles she's won recently, step up each time. Remember beginning of the year, winning Auckland, that was, what, a 250? Yes. I mean, that seems like so long ago when you consider the changes, the adjustments in her game just over this summer period. And I think that is part of what's going to help give her the advantage in this match. It's still going to be a tough battle, but this was that Cincinnati final. Oh, is this the one that doesn't count? That's yeah. the one that doesn't count. That? But it, was it, it, was, it was hot in North American hardcore. Why would that be relevant? Exactly, going into the U.S. Open where it's going to be hot and on hardcore. But this was a real crowning moment for Coco Golf, especially after beating Iga Sviantek yeah. for the first time um, this week in Cincinnati. So I think that mentally, her mindset She's just in a different place, and I think that gives her a bit of an advantage. But she's going to have to work through some different problems that Mukova poses. Uh, it is challenging to constantly be under pressure, to have to hit passing shots um, all the time. She's so good with her hands at the net. Can golf match her in that department? I think she can uh, in, in some instances. So it'll be interesting to see the interplay in this match. Hopefully they both play well, and we just see a, a good battle. There are two better athletes on tour. Uh, this will be two two real jocks going at it. Coco would get to number three in the world if she wins this event. So that's that's another incentive. Ten matches in a row. First time she's won double-digit matches in a row in her career. You get that dirty dozen. You get your first <laughs> right. major title. Looking forward to that semifinal with Coco and Carolina. Much more still to come here on TC Live. We've got semifinal previews later in the show. We are leading up. To the day session in New York, that's noon Eastern on ESPN. More TC Live after a quick break. Welcome back. Look, hey, look at that. We got Andre Rublev coming in. We got uh, Jesse, Coincidence? Jesse Pagula yeah, coming in. So uh, I mean, they're all playing today. Yeah, so uh, who are you playing mixed with in Australia? Right. Austin Krejcik. <laughs> Uh, it is social net time, and uh, you know we also. I think we have Coco Golf playing, in, or, or excuse me, in the gym. Yeah, oh, there she is. What's she showing, John? It's a Peloton, right? Yeah, but what's she showing Chan so far this tournament? This was Chanda's joke. Chanda said she's showing New Balance. Oh, this event. Well, that's a good one. Chanda with the dad jokes. That's a good line. We'll give you credit for that one. I should. I, I should get. A, I should get a raise for the that I put on there that I said it. <laughs> dad joke bonus for Chanda. Uh, Come that's Who are you good. playing doubles with in Australia? <laughs> uh, what else we got here? 
Well, we got more love for Ben Shelton uh, in our social net segment that was, you know, we ran just a tad early. There it is. Uh, 2022 NCAA singles champ. You know what that makes him? Makes him the first NCAA singles champ to reach a major semifinal since John McEnroe. Yeah, you got it, right. Paul. You read that stat. How about, uh, you know, I knew that. How about the 2022 the women's champion? Peyton Stearns. Two women's, uh, two uh, NCAA singles champions, and they both reach week two of the U.S. Open the following year. That's pretty good. What was the other stat you came up with, Steve? Uh, so, so Empty the majors bucket. this year, he's won nine matches, Ben Shelton. All right. In all the other tournaments combined, eight matches. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. You like the big stage or not? Right. He's a <laughs> big-time baller when it comes to that. But that, I mean, what a year, right? You never really see that, Chanda, right? I mean, the, the transition year for Ben Shelton. We saw some flashes last season, but it has been tremendous. And look, still going. Yeah. High ceiling. High ceiling. So that tells you basically that if you do well at majors, you don't have to do anything else, and you'll be in the top 20. Didn't, didn't Is that you, what it tells us? That's do, what I get. If you okay. do very well at majors. And only right. two of the majors. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. At least, at least I mean a quarter. quarter. That's a lot of points. That's yeah. a ton of points. Think about like, that year, right? Week, week two in Australia, no consecutive wins for eight months, and then semifinals at a minimum at the U.S. Open. Good, uh, good year. When he starts winning matches uh, week in, week out, he's going way higher than top 20. Yeah. Top, That's ceiling. where the consistency comes in, when you can do it week in and man. week out. But, right. you know, those initial moves, yeah, the grand fans are big. Doesn't that help for next year, too? You're not protecting yeah, exactly. a lot. You're not defending much. <laughs> right? There's room for improvement other than those big other events. Other than the big events. Right. <laughs> oh, look. Like talking double strategy. Yeah. I think Jess is talking to Kogo saying, make sure that your newly balanced self moves very well in doubles. <laughs> or they might be talking about dinner, where they might Could go be. after that. Any recommendations? Related. What do you think? No, Steve, you're the foodie. I, I always get my recommendations from you. Mm. Big I weekend up. Big weekend up. TC live at the U.S. Yeah, for post-game shows. Yeah. Got to cover. All you need to know after both finals. Good worth time stat of the day. Still curious. Coming up next. TC Live at the U.S. Open is brought to you in part by Tennis Express. Is brought to you in part by Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today. Time now for everybody's favorite segment of the show, including Jermaine. Whoa! It is People Magazine stars in the stands. That's not one of the stars. Come on, let's go to the real stuff. Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller was there. Stiller was there last night. Not a night at the museum, a night in the stadium. Mike Birbiglia, one of my favorite comedians. Uh, Watch him if you can. Old old man in the pool, very funny. Georgetown. Nice to see Ben. We haven't missed Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller, big has Rafa guy. So yeah, maybe, uh, has he been around much at the Open this year? I haven't seen him that much. For Biglia? <laughs> <laughs> and how about how about Retta? A little Parks and Rec love. What a great show that was. She's terrific, too. She's out most years. Uh, former high school tennis player in New Jersey, I'm told. Okay. What's the singular named uh, Retta? Looks like a doubles player. No, uh, three I singles. I think three, three singles. singles. There you yeah. go. Good to you, see don't, you don't face Red in she's, South Jersey. This has been like 10 years, and she's she's a regular. Yeah. For more stars in the stands, visit people.com. See who we'll get uh, over the weekend. Uh, John, it's your stat of the day. 
What do you have? Yeah, Chen always says finish strong. So uh, I, I had to that. go. <laughs> I do actually say that. For this. So uh, <laughs> here we go. Ben Shelton is alive in men's singles and in mixed doubles. Who was the last player to win a singles title and a mixed doubles title? It was our friend. Martina and I wonder, Paul, that was 36 years no. ago. Do you happen to recall you guys are, who Martina? Who did um, we need the photo, please? No, we don't have one. Anacone misses the return of serve oh, down no. the line, up match. Oh, you don't remember anything about that. I Nagelson, I'm so sorry. Match point down the line. Just wide. But you got over it. You don't remember it. Yeah, no, it's not that it's stuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> it's those great wow. memories that you take with you when you're retired. Yeah. Who are you playing mixed doubles with? Betsy Nagelson. No, okay. Betsy Nagelson. Um, but uh, no, but Ben Shelton, though. Um, good for him. I mean, you know, imagine playing your first major semifinal against Novak Djokovic, and you're also playing mixed doubles. The day before. Now you're rooting extra hard for Ben. Yeah, so exactly. that stat yeah, right. exists, right? Your erotic streak will get Let's break down some of the matches we got today. Arena Sabalenka, perfect in quarterfinals channels, never lost. 6 0, 2 0 at the US Open. Uh, Queen Wen, this is her first one. What are the nerves going into your first major quarterfinal? I think that's going to be the question. You never know how a player will react. Can they settle into a match as quickly as possible? And uh, for Zhang, it's going to be important because she is also a big hitter, and she needs to find her range, find her targets early uh, in this match. I think for her, the serve as well. Can she move her serve around the box? Can she get a few free points? Can she get some opportunities on the Sabalenka second serve and take advantage of them? But a lot of this will be on Sabalenka's racket as well because she hits the ball as big as anybody. This will be a fun one. Looking forward to that. Who wins between Carlos Alcaraz and Sasha Zverev? Okay, here's my coaching succinctness. Ready? Okay. Zverev, first serve, lateral tennis. Two themes. Alcaraz, uh, aggressive second serve return, get north and south, athletic tennis. That's it. I asked you who, won who wins. Oh, because I was trying to dodge it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, I dodged it pretty well. You did. I'm leaning Carlos I because listening. of the big late night the other yeah. night. But yeah. I'll, I'll, close one, 55-45. Carlos and four. I mean, I just think that when, they, when they both play average level, Carlos is better. When they both play peak level, Carlos is better. I'm leaning Alcaraz as well. Yeah, Alcaraz. We're going three Alcaraz. Is Maddie Keys winning today? I think so. All right. Yeah, I like Maddie for that. Another American in the right. final four in New York. Another semifinal. It is the U.S. Open. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining us today on TC Live. It has been a blast, as always. Enjoy the tennis. We are very close to championship weekend in New York City.